Hello out there. All right. All right. Hello out there. Is anybody out there? Man, Kareem criticizes LeBron James. Are the Nuggets being overlooked? And are the Utah Jazz in trouble? I'm Rosa Panda. This is the Clinic All NBA Podcast. I have the three hooligans with me. JJ, how you living, my friend? Feeling good. Feeling great. Favorite 90s expansion team uniform? We're going Grizzlies or Raptors? Ooh, that's a good question. John, how you living? I'm doing great, and I'm going to have to say the Grizzlies. I do love the Raptors, but I like the colors of the, the Grizz, old school. Sammy, how you living? Doing well, my man. I got to go with that purple dinosaur. I'm all about the Raptors on this one. <laughs> JJ, who you going with, man? I really want to go for Vancouver, but uh, Raptors, the pinstripe, super crazy colors. Yeah, I with age, that that dinosaur just looks better and better. It's really strange. I'm going to go with the Raptors, too. But first, we're going to get to our weekend news, and here we go. All right, Luka Doncic led the Mavs to a 118-112 victory over the defending champion Bucks on Sunday, scoring 32 and matching a season high of 15 assists. After the game, he said, quote, Obviously, when you play against superstars like Giannis today, you always have a little extra motivation. He's a champion, a two-time MVP. Are the Mavs now a legit title contender? You got to think that they might now be sneaking up on people. The defense has been locked down. They seem to have the perfect collection of role players around Lucas. So I don't know if a team with this structure could actually go deep into the playoff chase. But at the same time, this team seems very much on point where they stand right now. On Saturday, the Warriors and the Jazz faced each other. And both teams have had its trouble for the past few weeks. The Warriors were actually losing by 16, but Klay Thompson went off for 36, beating the Jazz 111-107 to and clinching a playoff berth. Jordan Poole, shout out to my boy, last 16 games, sport, uh, scored over 27, averaged over 5 assists, shooting about 50%, looking great. He's not looking like a... Splash nephew, he's looking like a the newfound Splash Bro. Sonic Boom! The mistaken child. But it's blessed to have that child, right? <laughs> and with that, the Miami Heat, they appear to be back on steady ground after stumbling through a season-high four straight losses. Maybe Jimmy Butler, Udonis Haslam, and Eric Spolster need to get into more kitty cat fights just to uh, get their uh, get rolling again. They did. Their last win was against the Chicago Bulls, 127-109. And Jimmy Butler scored 22. Kyle Lowry and Tyler Hero added 19 apiece. So they look back on track. And they also have a tightening grip on the number one seed in the East. So Trey Young and the Hawks went against the Brooklyn Nets and Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant scored a career-high 55 points. What? But that wasn't the real news. Trey Young scored 36, including 9 in the final minute to overcome the Brooklyn Nets and you have to start thinking are the Hawks starting to heat up again are we gonna see another just absolutely ridiculous playoffs by Trey Young and this squad I guess we'll have to see so Kareem Abdul-Jabbar he had some words to say about LeBron James basically he criticized LeBron on Sunday while attending an NBA event unveiling a social justice trophy named after him. He had this to say about 
basically LeBron James sharing a meme on Instagram that likened the coronavirus to the flu or the common cold. He said, quote, some of the things he's done and said are really beneath him as far as I could see. Some of the th some of the great things that he's done standing on both sides of the fence almost, you know. It makes it hard for me to accept that when he's committed himself to a different take on everything, it's hard to figure out where he's standing. You've got to check him out every time. He later added his thoughtfulness and willingness to back it up with his wallet. You got to give him credit for that. So not throwing stones, I just wish he wouldn't, you know, some of the things he's done, he should be embarrassed about. That's just where I'm coming from. What do you guys think of Kareem's comments here? You look back at this whole season and for LeBron, for his legacy, from his social perspectives, it's been just such an unusual year. His teams aren't playing. His team is not playing nearly the standard they normally do. He's put out comments uh, during the All Star break, which were very pointed, very different than anything he's ever said. That meme that Kareem is referencing, no matter what anyone's thoughts are on the pandemic, on COVID, they, they're not something I feel like LeBron would have posted in the past. It felt like he was a lot more careful about managing his brand. And so with some of that, I, I see where Kareem's coming from. I do think he's he's overanalyzing a little bit because at the end of the day, LeBron, like he said, has opened up his wallet, funded a school to try to take care of his past, his home community and done as best as he could to seemingly put money into good causes. And some of his commentary, like one of the things that's not referenced here that he insulted, or I shouldn't say insulted, he came after LeBron about, was the Sam Cassell big balls dance that he did after hitting a game-winning three against Indiana earlier this year. LeBron James. Like to me, Michael Jordan had his celebrations, Magic did, Larry did, they all did. So that was a little extreme. But it just seems like this year overall, LeBron's been a little more, let's say, fast and loose handling things from a social perspective in terms of brand management than he usually is. So I think Kareem's reaction is a little over the top, but given how careful LeBron is, I kind of understand it. So I'm going to have a unique take compared to what everyone else outside of the pod have been saying in regards to this whole situation. They're both in the wrong. Talk to him. And let me spit facts about my facts about Kareem. Kareem, well respected. He's the leader in points. And I don't know, it's kind of bad timing that he's gonna speak badly about LeBron when LeBron is about to pass him out. Pass him up in the all time leader in scoring, right? Kareem is a social activist, and he grew up in a different era. Granted that during this era, especially during social injustice, your life was threatened. He didn't have social media, so it was way different. LeBron, on the other hand, has a brand to protect. That is the 21st century athlete to protect their brand. And like what Sammy was saying, like LeBron's kind of weird, man. Like. It seems like he's on the fence, like Kareem is saying, on spe specific issues, but he's been very careless in other posts where he doesn't get all of the information, but he'll just retweet. He'll just go ahead and repost something without getting all the knowledge, and 
That's very dangerous in today's age, where you have 117 Instagram followers, you have 50 million Twitter followers, and this is a shout out to Dave Chappelle, which is, I think this whole situation could just tell everybody out there that when you read information from your role models, you gotta do your research. It's like what Dave Chappelle said, when something tragic happens, why are you looking for Ja Rule to break the news and give you some insight? <laughs> holla, holla. You know what I mean? Like LeBron's an athlete. Yeah. He has a huge following. He has a huge influence, but not to devalue what LeBron does, but I'm not gonna ask him about the current situation in Afghanistan. How could we increase our GDP? I wouldn't even ask him what's A square plus B square equals what square, right? To be frank, so. That is fair. Very, very fair. So I'm going to be brief and short on this because you guys covered a lot of what I was thinking. But my first thing is, is if I was the leading scorer all time in the NBA and Sammy was about to pass me, in 10 or 14 days, I would absolutely talk smack about him in any way I could. Okay, with that out of the way. Sorry, I had to get that off my chest, guys. Is there a reason why LeBron was brought up? I know it was at the Laker game, but why is even LeBron being brought up when it's the Social Justice Award was named after Kareem, given to Carmelo Anthony, who is active and actually known for this, but for some reason, of course, we have to bring LeBron into the topic. Maybe it was a reporter's question. I don't know. I don't know the, the context here. But I will say this. JJ makes a great point about social media and about just the eyes and how people are always, the prying eyes and people are always watching you. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, let's, not, let's be real. He's been a hypocrite. We're all hypocrites at one point or another. And he's probably said things or done things. And then weeks, months later, maybe years later, done or said something to contradict his initial stance. And LeBron's clearly done that. We've all done that. And I think it's unfair for Kareem to really put him on blast like this because I think it's hypocritical. I know we don't have any evidence to support that. I'm obviously making a speculation here, but I would imagine that Kareem has probably said things or done certain things that he thinks were probably in the best, that, that would put him in the best light perception-wise, that maybe he didn't necessarily 100% agree with. And I think we all do that from time to time as humans. So for me, it's, I just think it's, you know, it's weird timing, again, with the scoring title, but also it's, I think it's a little hypocritical. So I, I can't rock with it. I love Kareem. You know, LeBron's obviously a guy, my guy too, but I just, I don't like it, to be honest. Yeah, I'm going to 100% agree with you. I just think the moment is sort of funny. Like LeBron James, like retweeting a meme just because like you think of LeBron James and you think, you know, he's super human, he's larger than life. And he was probably just scrolling through Twitter and was like, hey, this is kind of funny. And, you know, he's looking at this through the lens of us, right? Like I could imagine one of my friends sending it to me and being like, hey, this is funny. But to quote the meme that he's referencing, Spider-Man, with great power comes great responsibility. And if you have that sort of platform, maybe you should sort of rethink that retweet button 
especially when it comes to sensitive topics like a global pandemic. I think that's the overall message that Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was saying. But on the day that he said this, we're going to like pivot to our, our next topic here. The Lakers lost to the Nuggets. It was that night. And the Nuggets currently sit fifth in the West. But the thing is, is that everyone's talking about the Suns. Everyone's talking about the, the Grizzlies, the Warriors, the Nets, the 76ers. And here is the sleeping giant at five. Do you guys think that the Denver Nuggets are currently being overlooked? Are they a real contender? No. Come on! And I say that with or without Jamal Murray, which may be a surprise to some of you guys. Now, I like Jamal Murray a lot, and I think I think the injury is really going to set him back. I think the way that he plays, he's pretty explosive as an athlete. He likes to cut and drive. He goes to the he's, he's good in the paint, not just as a shooter, but he's the dual threat. And I think you're going to see the, the effects of the injury when he does come back. So even if he came back this season, I don't think it would make a difference. Now, assuming that they, he's not going to come back, I'm going to say definitely not, obviously, because Jamal Murray's a key piece, arguably the easily the second best player on that team. But what I saw when they played the Lakers, and I know when you play the Lakers and you let them score that many points, you're a really bad defensive team. And that's what the Nuggets are. They are not good defensively. Honestly, and yeah. horrific. And I think Jokic, he kind of gets a pass there, if we're being honest, right? He's not really a great defender, and I think it's his athleticism is the reason for it. He's not able to move ladder quick, quick enough to stay in front of his defenders. He's decent, but he's not great as a big man. And I think that's always going to be his Achilles heel. And I just the Nuggets don't play defensively, in, well defensively as individuals and as a team. And for that reason, I just don't see them ever being contenders, especially not this season. I do think they're sleepers in a sense. I don't think I don't think they could be Phoenix or probably the top two or three out East, which depending on your definition of that, to me is Milwaukee, possibly Boston. Uh, that very top echelon out west if they beat any of the other playoff teams in a series it would not surprise me I think they have the ceiling to do it but they might have a lower floor because when you just are missing that much star power you're going to have some unpredictability because what you end up relying on is role players stepping up in roles that are bigger than what they're normally accustomed to and it's one thing for them to do it in the regular season. And it's another one the competition has turned up in the playoffs for them to do the same. So to me, if, if they're looking ahead in this weird way, depending on how the playoffs slot out, I almost feel like they'd be better off sliding into the six range rather than the five, because whoever's in that four or five series is getting Phoenix in round two, unless Phoenix gets upset by either the Wolves or the Clippers or whoever else down in the plan, which truth be told is not likely. So I think you avoid them on that side of the bracket, hope that somehow someone pulls off the upset and beats them before the conference finals and then they would have a shot. But unless Murray gets reacclimated faster than we expect, it's, it's hard to see. Although Monte Morris commented that 
he actually thinks that Murray looks good and might be ready to come back to play. So if they can get 20, 25 minutes out of him a game, it might be enough of a curveball to to give them a higher ceiling than expected. So I'm going to think out loud and then present my case whether or not they're title contenders. When the Nuggets play any other team, you could argue that the Nuggets will have the best player and usually the best player on that team wins the series, right? But like John stated, they have not so great defense. They're ranked 16th in, in terms of defensive rating and on the clinic, we've stressed that one of the key components of a championship title team is a top five defense and the exception would be the Kobe and Shaq Lakers, but they're the exception to the rule because they learn how to turn it on during the playoffs. So we're going to just exclude that. Another case against the Nuggets is that teams that are over 500, they're 6 and 15, fellas. Oh my! 6 and 15 against teams over 500. So they've been pounding great, uh, the terrible teams, but the best teams out there, I'm not sure if they'll be able to dominate as they should. And Jokic, when he's off the floor, which he'll need rest during the playoffs, they are a minus 31. So can the Nuggets bench and role players sustain a lead or play that great of a D or be efficient on offense for them to win games? I guess that that's what you know we have to wait and see. But based off me thinking out loud, I don't think they're true title contenders yet. Yeah, I mean, JJ, you have you have a great point where Nikola Jokic in some of these series might be the best player in the series. He was the first player to rank top 10 in points per game, rebounds per game, assists per game, and, and field goals percentage. The first ever player to do that in the last 50 years. I mean, that's absolutely ridiculous. But that team's still not good enough. <laughs> what it comes down to. And you know, Jamal, Jamal Murray coming back He's not going to be Jamal Murray when he comes back. He's going to be some sort of percentage of himself. And if you have him at like 75%, I don't even think 75% Jamal Murray would get you over the top for some of these teams. I don't know if you guys all agree with me or not. Hold up. Two titles are up for grabs on the stacked UFC 273 fight card. Join the action on DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of UFC. New customers can bet $5 on any fighter to get $100 in free bets, win or lose, guaranteed. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN. Throw down $5 on UFC 273 and get $100 in free bets no matter what. That's code TBPN this Saturday at DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of UFC. 21 and up. Restrictions apply. See show notes for details. I'm going to move us on to our next topic. Here we go. The Utah Jazz. They have recently blown 20-point leads in two of the last three games and losses to the Warriors and the Clippers. They have lost seven or six out of seven overall. Do you guys think the Utah Jazz, who are sitting at sixth right now, are really in trouble? Yes, they're in trouble before the season even started. Even with Ooh. the great record, no one took them serious. And it's like what we've been saying. Like, for example, John said, are you, uh, are you really a defensive player of the year if you don't play within the last few minutes of the game? Rudy, 
against Sammy's Clippers without Kawhi. And Sammy even texted us this interesting stat, which, uh, Sammy, I don't want to take your credit, but can you go ahead? Drop the, the assist, or not even assist, oh, it's passes, yeah. right? Yeah, uh, it's passes. So I'll just chime this in really quick. So this year, Donovan Mitchell is averaging a total of two passes Hold up. per game to Rudy Gobert. And a video was shown where Gobert against the Warriors had Thompson sealed off under the rim two feet away. And Donovan just completely ignored him. So that, that was the uh, stat Jay's referencing. That's Go ahead. crazy. Yeah, and the Warriors, they don't have the old offense of the Rockets where they, they hunt for their switch. It's a lot of movement, motion, off the ball. And <laughs> it's kind of crazy that Rudy is asking for the ball on the post and he obviously has a mismatch, but no one wants to pass it to him. Nobody, including Donovan, and they're not giving each other props. They don't seem like they're happy over there. And here we go, Donovan to the Knicks rumors. Anybody? <laughs> or is that what we're gonna see in the off season? We can start that right now. Yeah, I don't. I'm just <laughs> the Jazz man, the Utah Jazz. What can I say about them? Not much. <laughs> Sorry, guys, in Utah and ladies. But the reality is, is this, is that JJ's right. They're not contenders, and I don't think they ever were contenders. And to be in trouble, they would have to indicate that they had high expectations. And I think anybody that really follows basketball can clearly see that they're not to be taken seriously. And that's not a knock on Donovan Mitchell, but that's a knock on the rest of the team. Because if Rudy Gobert is your second best player, or at least consensus-wise, then you're not going to go far. You need you need something somebody else. If Rudy Gobert is your anchor defensively, and he rebounds, and he focuses on that, and doesn't worry about scoring, and you have a second guy next to, to Donovan Mitchell, then we could talk. But until then, it just doesn't make sense. And there's a reason why Donovan Mitchell only passes him the ball two times a game. I'll give you a hint. It's because he's not that good offensively. In case you couldn't True. read between the lines. I know he's averaging 17 to 19 points, whatever it may be, but he's a giant. He's 7'3". Maybe, I don't know. He has like a crazy wingspan. And he should be scoring and shooting 64% from the field, which he is shooting. I mean, anything less would be abysmal and a crime, in my opinion. So. Wow. Wow. I, I don't know, man. I feel like the Jazz need to make a move. If I'm a fan of theirs, I've been they've probably been dying for them to make a move and trading somebody. But something needs to change there. Well, so here's the question then. They're going to make a move. I completely agree with you on that. And just to, before I get to the question to preface this, I think everyone outside of that organization, I agree with you, John. I don't think any of us had expectations for them. I think internally that front office had expectations to at least get to the second round again, or maybe to the conference championship. And barring a miracle, that doesn't seem like it's gonna happen. So clearly one or both of those guys is gonna get dealt in the offseason is my thought. And I can't speak for the Jazz front office. I would assume that their first move is gonna be to try to trade Gobert. The question is gonna be with his contract and his playoff reputation now, what kind of value are you getting back? So that's that's step one. Step two is 
is Donovan just going to flat out say, I want out? And will Wade be, will Dwayne Wade be able to keep him there and convince right. him to stay? But, Matt, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, like you, you said, who, what would you get back for Rudy Gobert? And Rudy Gobert is almost in like the Ben Simmons zone of like last year. Where it's like, he's a liability on offense. Donovan Mitchell, I mean, is obviously proving it by only passing to him like two times. That's like that's like a Jimmy Garoppolo playoff plus stat right there. <laughs> passing only two times. Ouch. But <laughs> I think it's clear that, like, sorry, just last point here is that. So Rudy Gobert is a contender for a defensive player of the year, as he is almost every year. He's the right. anchor and he just blocks shots. He's great. But the Jazz are 12th in defensive rating. They're middle of the pack. And so something's got to give there, right? You have one of the best defenders in the league, numbers-wise and consensus-wise, but your team is in the middle of the pack defensively. So if you're going to keep Gobert, you should probably try to be the best defensive team in the league with shooting or something like that. Or go the other way, because it's kind of like, to me, it's a push and pull. But here's my issue with that. In terms of numbers, is he one of the best defensive players in the league? Yeah, I agree with you on that, but... In terms of the current version of the NBA, you're right. No. I I don't think he's a top five defensive player in the league because if he was that good, he could not be run off the floor by my man Nicholas Batum in the playoffs. Like, <laughs> just the right. fact that they they hunted him actively tells me all I need to know. I think the modern big man, and obviously he's a unicorn defensively, is Giannis, the six eleven guy who can block shots on the interior, step out to the three point line defend one to five if he has to. Gobert is a top three defensive player in the regular season, as far as I'm concerned. But in the playoffs, when you're shortening your rotations and you're exploiting matchups, he almost becomes a liability. He has. And so, and then the other problem too is, if I recall correctly, he makes well over $30 million a year. Yep. Yeah, he, he makes a grip, a grip of money. And- yeah. I want to say it, it was kind of sneaky of the league. I want to say that the league put this on wax because, like, there's so many players that that have been talking about Rudy Gobert, right? Putting him in a mixer. Why is he defensive player of the year if that's the dude that you're always going to seek out? Because last year, just last year, the Utah Jazz were top three in defense. This year, they were first in basically roster consistency, which means they didn't change a lot to their roster. So what happened? Right, and you have to start thinking that people just started to figure out Rudy Gobert, how to attack him, how to attack this team, and you see at the end of the season, this team is completely unraveling because they're losing. Like what? What was it? Twenty point games? Twenty point leads? They blew twenty point leads into two out of the last three games. They're unraveling, man, and like and like I said before, if you're planning a wedding. You want to have those arguments in the middle. You don't want to have it towards the end, right? When you're walking down the aisle and we are here. The Utah Jazz are walking down the playoff aisle. I'm going to take us to our next topic here. Who falls to seventh in, like, sorry, who falls to the seventh play-in spot in the West? And, you know, we talked about the Nuggets. We talked about the Jazz. Now we're going to insert the Wolves here. There's only two games that separate these teams. Who do you guys think falls to that spot? So only because of Utah's remaining schedule do I think the Wolves stay in that spot. Because Utah's got a matchup with the mighty, mighty Portland Trailblazers left on the schedule. And whoever it is that they're trotting out to start, 
right now. I believe they have a matchup with the Thunder, and then they also are playing Phoenix, but at this point, Phoenix has claimed the one, and as we saw against those same Thunder a couple days ago, Phoenix is starting to rest players. So, I think Denver's playing too well. I think Utah is going to get luck at the scheduling draw. It'll leave Minnesota there, but based on who's playing best right now, Minnesota is clearly playing better than Utah. I just think the matchup is not going to favor them, and so... That will lead to a very interesting play-in with, call me a homer or not, the biggest wild card in the West, who is the Clippers, who are clinched at the eight spot now. <laughs> yeah. And Paul George is back. Norm Powell is shooting. It looks like he'll be back soon. And, of course, there's the, the Kawhi cloud hanging over all of this that no one seems to know. And so someone ends up in seven. They might end up in a bad spot. But right now i got to think it's the Wolves just based on the amount of games left in the scheduling. I think it's going to be the Jazz. You think the unraveling continues? Yes. And they lost they lost six of their last seven. So they play Memphis. They play Phoenix. They might win OKC. And they play the Blazers. Maybe they're well, that's a, a win. <laughs> maybe the Blazers will win though. <laughs> you never know, right? So, I'm just gonna say that they might go. They might make the play-in. That'd be crazy. That that would be crazy. Yeah, that's my pick, though. Yeah, I'm gonna go with. I'm gonna go with the. I'm gonna go with the Nuggets, too. Ooh. Yeah. I am gonna say that the Lakers are gonna beat them. <laughs> to end the season, to drop them I like it. in the seventh spot. Nah, I don't do drugs though. I'm back Homer with my Laker, in this I'm, one. I'm back with my Laker fandom after uh, after <laughs> blasphemy blaspheming in the last episode. What? One quick you know, question. I'm, one quick question. Yeah. If the Nuggets lose the play-in, can Jokic win MVP? Saying this as someone who picked him to win MVP, if they are, they're in the plan, I don't think he'll get the votes. I think they have to be a top six seed. I'm with Sammy on that one. Agreed. Can't do it. Well, I'm going to take us to our last segment, and that, of course, is Dubber Dud. You guys have to tell me if this was a win or a loss. And here's our first topic. Ben Simmons has filed grievance against the Sixers, seeking $20 million in withheld salary. Basically, he's insisted that there was a breach in contract upon failing to show up um, at the start of training camp and refusing to play during the preseason and regular season. Do you guys think it's a dub or dud that Ben Simmons is filing this grievance against the 76ers? This is 100% a dud. How many... <laughs> How many of us here could not show up to work for a year and demand that we get you get paid for it? Nobody. It's crazy. Nobody in any profession, basketball, football, professional sports, the medical profession, anything, retail, no. They would look at you, they would laugh at you, and they would probably call the police. So this is a complete dud for my man Ben Simmons. Stop with this nonsense. Yeah, I will Sammy. call this a dud as well, only because if he was going to go this route, he needed to show up for camp and get evaluated there, whether it was by his own professionals or what have you, and you need to lay the groundwork well in advance. The fact that he showed up so late in the preseason, 
I understand that he just felt betrayed basically by the front office, but you kind of almost have to play ball with them to lay the groundwork, essentially, to, to be able to actually file this claim in that way. And the fact that he didn't, I just, I can't see him winning this. At best, I could see this going to arbitration and him getting a piece of it. Wow. But he's not getting the 20. But if I'll bet you this ends up in arbitration and he walks away with somewhere between 8 and 12. What? And if I'm completely wrong on that, you can pull this clip up at a later episode, but that's my hunch. This is definitely a dud, but I will quickly change my thoughts if uh, he has Doc Rivers apologize to him in the courtroom or <laughs> wherever they settle, because that would be hilarious. I just don't know the like what's the common sense here like you have like some huge gonads to be like i know i didn't work but i still feel like you should pay me like what how does this work anyway the next topic for dubber dud doc rivers <laughs> is calling now james harden so basically after the game against the bucks doc had this to say he said they didn't struggle they didn't get a lot of shots you know in their defense I think during that stretch, it was more James than them. So, you know, it's just a tough night. What do you guys think of Doc's comments here, Dubber Dud? He's on fire! Okay, so I'm getting deja vu because the last time Doc called out a superstar, I think he made Ben Simmons take a year off. <laughs> and I don't think That's true. He didn't, uh, I don't know if he learned his lesson this time, but... I'm all for coaches calling out their players, but come on guys, we live in the 21st century. These dudes are super sensitive. Harden is super sensitive. And he's on a new squad where he still has to prove himself. So I'm gonna have to go with a dub because he's, Doc Rivers is losing once again. And I think that's a dub in my book. I'm going to go ahead and quote Michael Scott for everybody that loves to watch The Office. Fool me once, strike one. But fool me twice, strike three. I don't understand what Doc Rivers is thinking. I mean, he clearly, he's like JJ said, he's done this before. And the results were less than splendid. I'll keep mm. leave it at that. And so... I don't know why he continues to just go out in public and make these comments for everybody, the media, for pundits, for Reddit, to just blast him and just make, just create this, this friction that's not even needed, right? It's just one game, move on, keep it in the locker room. Doc, Doc, Doc Rivers, and I'm not going to say it. I'll leave Sammy or JJ or June to say what I'm thinking. You know what I'm thinking. Go ahead. So in regards to our top 15 coach of all yes, time. Yes, thank you. Um, yeah. I have so many thoughts on this, and they all just bring a smile to my face. Uh, so first of all, if you want to connect this back to our topic about LeBron earlier, the same way that players today deal with social media that players from the old days like Kareem did not, Coaches also need to understand that the media is very different now and social media is very different now than it used to be. Mm -hmm. So he might have been able to do this in the 80s. You're not doing it now. Not with the feedback, not knowing that Harden runs at first uh, first insult. 
basically. So you know you're already gonna annoy him with this comment. Secondly, this might be what Ben brings up in court so that he gets all of his $20 million. Look what this coach does. He's abusive. <laughs> he just he just keeps these players held down. The libel so, and the slander, yes. Absolutely. So just just Doc is just causing these shockwaves, man. And finally for me, this is a massive dub, and it is a dub because it makes me smile that Ty Lu is now the Clippers head coach. Thank you, Doc. There you go. <laughs> this is definitely a dud, dude. Like, seriously, Doc? Like, he had to be looking... Like, he's kind of like... Like, maybe, you know, one of your friends has, like, this ex-girlfriend. And it's like, oh, man. Like, I saw her today. She had some awesome ball movement. Her name is Seth Curry. <laughs> she had a great pick-and-roll game. And, like... The game that her game is just so beautiful, you know. Always tries, comes in clutch, and then you look at what you have and you're like, "I really messed up. <laughs> I'm kind of regretting this decision right now. What did I do?" This is exactly what Doc is thinking. It's an absolute dud, and all of us could see it. I think I see it. I don't know if he's gonna admit to it, but I definitely see it. Anyway. That's actually all we have for tonight's pod. I want to thank you guys for being on. JJ, thanks for being on, man. Have a good evening, everybody. John, thanks for being on. Thank you. Have a good night. And Sammy, thanks for being on, man. Thank you. Everyone enjoy the final stretch till we get to the playoffs. And shout out to our video producer, RJ. Check out our YouTube channel. Remember to rate, subscribe, and review. Like us on our Facebook group page, The Clinic All-NBA Podcast. And like us on Twitter, at Clinic All-NBA. I'm Rosa Panta. This is The Clinic All-NBA Podcast. Come find us wherever you get your podcasts.